Welcome to Sober Sisters Talk, a podcast on recovery with Elizabeth Pudwell and MG. We bring you our experience, strength, and hope from a variety of sources, therapy, 12-step recovery, and life lessons of long-term sobriety. To contact us, email SoberSistersTalk at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook. Just search for Sober Sisters Talk. We're glad you're here. Now here's our next podcast. Also, we'd love to invite you to a Zoom meeting this Friday night at 6 p.m. Central Standard Time. If you're interested, email SoberSistersTalk at gmail.com and we'll send you the meeting information and password. We hope to see you this Friday. Hi, everybody. This is MG. And I'm Elizabeth Pudwell, and together we are Sober Sisters Talk. Welcome. We're Welcome. so glad you're here. We're, we're, um, still, we're still meeting by Zoom, everybody, so... Forgive us if there are any, you know, quality issues. We just are making it work. So hopefully one day we'll be in person and we'll be able to see each other and talk together and uh, produce the podcast together. Right. We used to do that, but we, you know, since we're in this pandemic, we don't. Yeah. Um, so tonight, um, I thought we would, I went I found some um, messages. So if you left a message on our Facebook page, if you want to leave some message, please do. And I'll try to remember to go on there every day and check them. And I found some old ones and um, I, um, I wanted to answer one of them. I thought it was very pertinent. And um, I asked MG before we started, what do you think? Of course she's on board. So um, the question was, what do you do when you're, through withdrawal and you want to return to a normal life and a normal I'm using air quotes (laughs) because I don't think that there is really a normal life well and and you made the point Elizabeth it's just like this pandemic I mean you know we came in you know our post pandemic world is not going to be like before the pandemic there's still going to be you know we're changed permanently or changed permanently. Yes. And, but before we go into like what, you know, what to do when you are done with, with withdrawal is to, the question that I posed when, as, as soon as I read that, it's like, well, how do you know you're done with withdrawal? How do you know you're done with withdrawal? How do you know you're finished? What are the signposts? How does that happen? You know, does you just think you are because you did 30 days, 90 days, you know? nine months how long it does it take and how do you know so I'll just stick with my experience and I didn't really realize that I was withdrawal out of withdrawal until months later and what I mean by that is you know I had been in so much pain so much pain so much pain but I was working the program working the program working the program And it was a slow and steady sort of chipping away at this addiction, chipping away at the pain and replacing it with the fellowship and the love of the women in this program. And and then it was like, I remember thinking, when was the last time I thought about this guy? Wow. 
and you know realizing that I hadn't thought about this person for a week and then as I continued to work you know it was like when was the last time I thought of it? and then now the only time I think about these old boys usually is when I'm talking to you or talking to a sponsee or giving an example so it was like I didn't realize that I was done with it until you know it just you know, um, and, and maybe I wasn't reflective on it. Maybe I was saying, am I in withdrawal? Is today the day that I don't have withdrawal any longer? Am I out of it? Is it done? I didn't have that. I just jumped into the pro process. So I love that. And I, do, I think I had a very similar experience that it's sort of like there's tentacles that hang on. You know, my desire to call or text or you know i worked with my qualifier go find him at work or you know to run into him that stuff went away just from the the, the habit you know like breaking the habit um but there was other things that they were like you know threads like tentacles like thinking about him um even his car like, you were like looking for his car that was one of the things and that was like way down the road when i realized that that was you know probably and i wasn't really um thinking about him or wanting him or jonesing for him but i did have this habit of looking for his car so you know there's i think for every person it's going to be really different i think it it may hang on for a long time where you're you know you're not done. You're not done with withdrawal. I think for me, one of the things that I totally had to work on was the thinking about him, the allowing myself to like, you know, just ponder and yeah, yeah. that, that lull of like, you know, where is he and what's he doing? You know, that kind of stuff. Well, and here's so, what I want to say is that withdrawal will happen so much quicker if you're able to be in no contact with someone, it gives you that space to feel that pain, that intensity, you know, to get a sponsor to work through everything. Now, if you can't be in complete withdrawal, like let's say he's an ex-husband and you have kids together, or like in your situation where you would need to see them, you know, for me, it's like a toxic reminder. It's like having to go into Chernobyl every day and prepare and put on your suit and, you know, have your little you know, meter to make sure you're not getting, you know, over radiated. I mean, there's a lot of things that, that if you can't go into no contact, you'll have to do, but the thinking is the key, Elizabeth. And so that was one of the first things I learned in SLAA is to monitor my thoughts because, you know, I can get high sitting in my cube at work with no alcohol, just sitting there getting high thinking with euphoric recall. So I think that that's key. And so, the the that makes it easier so you know and i've heard people that sometimes say they have withdrawal symptoms for like two years i'm like oh my god and you may that um there's a so there's a scene in one of my favorite movies um the holiday with um kate winslet and cameron diaz and they trade houses and they trade lives you know for uh, uh, for over the holiday and um, Kate Winslet's character is in love with someone she worked with. And 
he comes, she breaks up with him. She tells him that uh, the whole thing is just like, I'm like, oh my God, don't send that text message. <laughs> don't answer that email. But um, the, the, the scene where she goes, I'm miraculously done being in love with you. And she shuts the door. So there's a whole, there's a whole thing wrapped up in there. Like, and it's very slob beneficial. She makes the decision when she slams the door, she says, I'm miraculously done being in love with you. You don't work for me. And that is really what you want, is you want that ship. No, so that no matter what, because that motherfucker's coming back. They all come back. Every time they come back. They might just send a text. They might just send an email. They might call. How are you? Merry Christmas. I can't tell you how long I got those. Happy Mother's Day. I'm not your goddamn mother. Don't send me those text messages. Exactly. So there, there's just this like lingering thing that happens, these tentacles that sometimes you have control of, sometimes you don't. Sometimes it's like comes up when just like what you shared, like when I'm talking about my experience. Um, but the, uh, the second part of the query was, um, and how do you return to your normal life? And I don't want to go back there, first of all. You know, what was so great about that normal life that I want? Or what is your normal life? Is that like going to work, having friends? Um, you know, you do. Uh, for me, I integrated a ton of programming right. to take the place of him. Right. And I know you did, too. Right. So, you know, it's about, I think, like, I think the question is, like, how do we reintegrate ourselves in society after, after all that pain is done? And because, you know, for me, there was such a wound there around it that, you know, all relationships were changed. You know, my whole life changed. I was like, you know, I want to go and do something completely different in my life. I don't want to do IT anymore. I want to go and investigate this acting thing. You know, and I changed my my whole life to go and do something that I'd always wanted to do. So it was a, a revolutionary shift. So I'd say to our questioner, so how do you go back to normal after this pandemic? I mean, you know, you got to get your vaccination. So let's call recovery your vaccination. Or a dating plan. Or a dating yeah. plan, you know. You're still going to have to wear a mask in some situations. You know, there's never not a moment now, or I can see for the next one, two, five years, where, you know, this pandemic is not going to be front and center of our lives because of the impact that it had. So if we can you know, extrapolate that to, you know, what is, when can we return to normal after, you know, for me, after being devastated by not one, but two major heartbreaks, you know, the answer is never, but it's okay. And it's better and it's amazing. And so, you know, I don't want to be pessimistic and say to the listener, you know, it's never going to go back to normal. Because there's going to be a new normal. It's a new normal. And you create, I have the most loving, incredible relationships with women in the program and men. I have both. 
And um, I have a richness and a meaning in my life that I that was missing. And sort of for me translates why I was acting out. Yeah. You know, why I accepted those crumbs. Yeah. And so there's all of this depth and meaning that I got from working the steps and working a program continually that makes my life so much better. Yeah. You know, every time I meet with a sponsee, even if it's, um, you know, challenging or it's um, tight on my schedule or, uh, you know, whatever's going on, it's still at every time I just feel such joy and meaning and like I'm what my experience is important I got a message from somebody on the whatsapp um I can't remember what it was what she asked but I just told her something about self-care and I gave her this you know I have this spiel about showering and slopping with um a scrub and how that type of self-care um initiates and kicks off the hormone oxytocin which is first released when you're born with skin-to-skin contact and it's that's the thing that that is the addictive thing that you're after going after this guy time and time again so i explained all of that to her and i thought well i don't know if this is what she wants or it's going to have anything and i sent the message and immediately she responded this is gold thank you so much nobody has ever explained this to me before and it seems like something so simple, like take a fucking shower every day, you know, and really pay attention to rubbing yourself and giving yourself a massage and, you know, all of those things because it helps. And, um, but it does. And so I think that looking for that type of meaning, I, I really only want that kind of meaningful relationships. Yeah. And it's something that has that depth. Yeah. Well, and I can remember when I first got sober in AA, you know, that, that there's, you know, this idea of like cross addiction. Like if we give up one thing, then we're going to cross addict to another thing. So, you know, I saw a lot of people that would cross addict to meetings and I'm like, okay, that's, you know, I support that, that, you know, like we were talking about the hole in your front yard. If you pull that tree out, you know, we have to replace it with something. And so replacing it with something like recovery and meetings and therapy and self-care and all that is uh, is the tonic for that withdrawal and that when we can replace it with those other things then before you know it we're not even thinking about that old guy or we're not even thinking about our pain and you know for me that was like when is the pain going to end and you know it just is a gradual mysterious process and transformation transformation i will say that the second withdrawal went a lot quicker than the first one the first one was really intense for about three months to six months and the second one was like tops two months because i knew what to do i was already in program i knew how to replace that that you know pain and that longing with constructive things well would you would you tell our audience what you're talking about? Why there's a second withdrawal? What, what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what caused that? Yeah. So my second, my second to last qualifier, which is the guy that got me into program, you know, was in therapy and I started going to SLAA meetings and I 
started doing women within and I was you know in a lot of pain around them and uh, you know and I got them out of my house and I got into recovery and I was um, you know working through my core issues and I had a sponsor and I can't even remember this woman's name in SLAA and um, I started getting into acting and I you know was in a play with someone and it was like my sex and love addict was completely activated because it was a play called same time next year it's a two-person play me and this one person alan alden and ellen bernstein yeah and they're totally in love with each other you know uh, i remember the movie yeah it's a, and it's a great play too and so i just became like completely smitten and enamored of this guy who i knew nothing about and my sponsor in SLAA uh, was also in AA and she went back out drinking and she said, I gotta go over and do this uh, you know, AA stuff, I can't sponsor you. And so I'm like, oh, okay, my sponsor's left me, so let me go, let me go try and like, you know, connect with this guy. And, you know, he, here, and, and I do not wanna recommend to our listeners out there to relapse. If you know you've got this disease and you're going to meetings, you know, I thought, well, maybe it was just this one guy. I mean, clearly, after I did my four step the second time around, I realized this was just one in a series of, you know, I don't want to say hundreds, but, you know, many, many men, right? So, but I really wanted to investigate this new guy. And it was just very, it was progressive. You know, they talk about the disease being progressive and it just was even worse with him because at least this other guy I knew and I knew his family and his siblings and felt like he did love me as a friend. It was, uh, it was, a, it, it was a true relationship. Maybe not a true love relationship, but it was a true relationship. But this other guy wasn't at all. So it got worse real quick. And the pain that I was feeling around this guy got more intense quicker. That was the second person. When I finally decided to go into no contact with him and really apply myself to SLAA, then was able to go through the second withdrawal and it was much easier and much shorter. And also, it really made me realize, like I said, I don't wanna recommend this, but that second painful experience did help me to realize that I really do have this disease. It's not just makeup or maybe I got it a little bit and I'll get some skills and take what I like and leave the rest. It was like, no, no, I'm in it because it's all about suicide and just thinking about crazy bullshit things like how can I order a GPS tracker and how can I get it under his car? Like I could get killed. I could be under his car installing this thing and he could come out and start it and kill me. Crazy. It is crazy. It is. But yeah, I, I, I don't know how many times I had the start and stop. It was many because I would see him again at work. And um, there I developed a technique on how to, uh, I figured out what it was that was causing me to re-engage every time I saw him and how I could stop that re-engagement just because he came into my presence. And um, it was my head, it was my thinking, you know, it's that is so much a part of it. But I do, I also, yeah, I think that if 
um, you can create that scenario where you are in in withdrawal. Make the decision. That's really what it is. Make the decision and then do everything that you can to stay in the withdrawal because it will end. It does end. And I, I, so many women that I work with, so many sponsees are like, when is it going to end? It does end. It does I end. promise you. I promise it you it does end. But you've got to stick to it. You've got to. You've got to not relapse because every time you relapse, you you got to start over in some sense. You don't yeah. lose the progress that you've made. Like you said, it was you know quicker, but you do no less you, intense. It was still super painful. And it you know, is, and, and that that's what I want to remind our listeners is that it was the not wanting to put myself through pain. And that I was learned, you know, that I learned through self-love. If I really love myself, I'm not going to expose myself to situations where there is even, I don't know, 20% chance of pain. What's your, what's your metric for how much pain? I'm like zero. Zero. No. No, Yeah. I I have developed a life that creates zero pain, you know, zero pain, zero discomfort. No. Which I am now working on with a new sponsor. (laughs) <laughs> well, I mean, you know, but Elizabeth, like the dating thing and, and what you're doing is, I wouldn't say it's painful. I would say that it's... No, it's an expansion. Yes. Yeah, it's it's an expansion of, of myself and my true self. But that is one of the things that I noted that does um, help is that is having that, um, having the uh, dating plan, being intentional. So, like, if you're in this withdrawal, like, one of the things for me, it, being in withdrawal is, like, I don't ever want to do this again. I don't ever want to, like, you know. And so, a lot of my intention was around that. But then, once I did, once I started getting some relief and feeling some peace and some joy again, I wanted more of that. And so, that's where my intention went. How can I create more peace? How can I create more joy? How can I, you know, sustain this? And it was all, everything that came back to me was by program. And really also figuring out what does bring me joy, you know? What makes me feel good? What gives me pleasure? And what's my skill set? You know, what am I really good at? And all of those things and then applying them, you know, it just really, like, one of the things for me was creating I Know Somebody Houston. That was such a joyful thing for me. And it was definitely the result of me working the steps, getting to withdrawal. So your new normal is much better than your old normal. Oh, absolutely, absolutely, hands and, down. And you never hands would have got, and you, but here, here's the gift of re- recovery and program. You never would have gotten to that new normal if you hadn't been to the at the bottom in your sex and love addiction. And that is, I think, what do you call it? It's like a paradox, it's like, how could my life be so good when I was so miserable? And the reason was I just had to look at my core issues. I had to do my therapy. I had to look at this stuff and make a significant and remarkable change in every aspect of my life. So I do, you know, I want to go back to what you were sharing before because, like, just the um, the concept of, you know, do everything that you can to not relapse. And, but if you do come back and do it again and stick with it, get a sponsor that you can work with 
and one that understands like these concepts of what we're talking about. And if, you know, if they don't find a support system that does like this meeting or, you know, this podcast or, you know, reading material or whatever, because my sponsor didn't, she never told me to be intentional. You know, that wasn't part of her language. It wasn't part of how she thought, but she, she taught me how to work the steps and she held me accountable and listen to my fourth step and listen to me cry <laughs> repeatedly. And um, it, it helped. And then I was able to develop, you know, the, the support group that I needed that had the same, you know, spiritual beliefs that I did. Well, and Elizabeth, you know, you and I both know that there's a lot of different modalities out there in the world for people to do their healing and to have some relief from these things. For me, I wanted a, a kinder, softer way, and I really struggled against going to SLAA for the longest time and tried just to do just the therapy, and I tried to just do therapy plus women within. I tried to do just talking to my girlfriend. I tried to do all it's those so things. It's so funny. We do these other things. I can manage it, you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, uh, and it really wasn't until I got invested in this 12-step recovery program of SLAA that I was able to notice that there was significant and lasting progress, and only because of the work that I put into it. Now, what I would say to my younger self, the minute that that sponsor said, oh, I'm going to go off and do this other thing, I would have said, uh, you need to get a new sponsor ASAP, sister, get back in it. And, you know, and she and I had just started working the steps. So it was like, start start doing that step work. Yeah. Start. Yeah. And sponsor other women. Like, as soon as you get to the place where you finished your fifth step with your sponsor, you're available to start sponsoring someone else. That is the only thing that's going to keep you sober at that point. I agree. I agree. Keep you from relapsing. Yeah. So there's, uh, there, you can get back to a new normal. That's the answer to that question, you know. And, and it's better. It's better, dear it's listener. Better. It's better. It is better by far. And the length of your withdrawal experience, I can say from my own experience, is dependent on how much work you put into your recovery, how much you're willing to spend time and, you know, money. Okay, let me tell you. The money I spent on my therapist is the best, most important money I ever spent in my life. Highest return on the investment of anything that I've ever done in my life. So don't chint yourself out on that, dear listener, because... And find that therapist that really um, jives with you. Yeah, and that... shop around, man. <laughs> yes. I remember when I started working with Iris, one of the women in the program told me, ooh, she is going to get in your face and touch you. And I was like, huh? What do you mean? I was like, I don't want that. But Iris loved me back to health. You know, Iris is one of the key reasons. You know, she was such an incredible therapist for me. She loved so many women back to So many. To, you know, and the same with my therapist, Patrick. He was Right, he did too. He did too. And so we were really, really lucky to have those special people in our lives. So, you know, dear listener, don't give up hope. Withdrawal does end. You know, your life does return to a sense of normalcy, but we believe that it gets better. So stick with it, stay with it. Don't give up on yourself. 
and you'll make it to a new and better place. And don't forget to uh, keep listening to our podcast because that'll help immensely too. <laughs> sure. Hey, before we go, um, MG and I are working with a, a couple of the women in our um, in our local group of planning a retreat. If you're interested, if you're listening to this and you're interested, send me a message on our Facebook because um, that's going to have a, a big impact on the size of it and how many people that we can we can fit in this retreat. Or you um, can email us at SoberSistersTalk at gmail.com. And both gonna, of those work. And it's going to be a beach retreat, we're thinking? We don't know, like beach or Austin. We're kind of like Ooh. going back and forth. Austin, oh, she found this awesome place. It's on the lake. Is it, yeah. is it like that? Uh, I want to say 12 trees, but that's not right. It's like a... It's a beautiful place. I don't know what it's called. Oh, she Travis. found three of these big houses, and they're awesome. I was okay. like, well, yeah. Okay. Well, stay tuned, listeners, and let us know if you're interested. Email us at Sober Sisters Talk, or you can message Elizabeth on the Facebook page for Sober Sisters Talk. And, Elizabeth, where do you like to get coffee in the morning? Boy, I'll tell you, if you want to run into me, 8 a.m. at Pure Coffee. Uh, they have the best coffee they now they see me when I pull up and they've got it already. Like they're already making it. It's awesome. Good coffee, tough I ten and um silver. Silver or Antoine. Antoine. Whatever's first. Yeah. Just Google Pura Coffee. P U R A coffee right off the I ten. They're one best of coffee our, in Houston. They're one of our sponsors and if you mention Silver Sisters Talk, they'll, they'll give you a little coffee. discount. They'll give you a little discount on your coffee cough. Yeah. Until next time, listeners. Thank you. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Sober Sisters Talk podcast. To find our podcast, we're at www.sobersisterstalk.com. We're also on Apple iTunes and on Facebook. See you next week.